0: Ooh, welcome everyone to another episode of Slasher Scotty. I am your host Scotty McCoy, and boy, do I have a surprise for you! I have on Zoom right now with me Helene. Is it pronounced Yudi? <laughs> <laughs> Helene Yudi Yudi, yeah. Helene Yudi. Okay,
1: got
0: it. Yeah, awesome. And she played Sylvia in the original My Bloody Valentine film. So, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing fine, considering.
0: <laughs> I know, definitely. I'm so glad. Um, I know a good friend of mine, his name is Matt Burns. He introduced, he uh, reached out to you on my behalf, and uh, I'm so glad you accepted. And yeah. just so everybody knows, you'll be back a little later, from my understanding, to discuss another film that you are doing with them.
2: That's right.
0: Exciting. So i excited about that as well. So yeah. the first question I got for you is, uh, how did you get your start into acting?
2: Okay. Okay, how did I get my start? Well, uh, when I was a tiny little tot in grade six, uh, (laughs) I was really lucky that uh, the theater teacher at our school wrote a play and it was half in French and half in English. Mm -hmm. And I I went to an English school, but I could speak French. And it was about this French princess who meets this handsome prince who only speaks English. But because of their love for each other, they magically are able to speak the other's language in the end. Nice. Um, and uh, so I got the part uh, and uh, uh, when we, it, the, the male parts were, were split up between two fabulous young boys. Um, and one of them, uh, somehow we neglected to realize that he couldn't speak French. So when it mm-hmm. became time for him to speak French He wasn't able to do it. So we were right in the middle of a performance, us little 11 year old, 10 year old kids. And suddenly he whispers in my ear, I I can't do it. (laughs) (laughs) And so I sprang into action and I was saying his lines and then my lines and then his lines and then my lines. And suddenly this like huge roar appeared uh, uh, out of the audience. And it was like, wow, everybody thought it was hysterical. And uh, I got hooked. Nice. I love the sound of those applause and that laughter I really enjoyed uh enjoyed doing it so that was my first acting job.
0: That's awesome it sounds it's like it just sounds like and it's been great ever since obviously My Bloody Valentine and uh speaking of My Bloody Valentine what was your audition like for that?
2: Well I was kind of lucky in My Bloody Valentine because I had just I had uh Done a movie called Pinball Summer, which is now I think they call it Pickup Summer just so that we're not so dated. Uh, but <laughs> at the time it was Pinball Summer. Pinball was very popular. Right. <laughs> we're going way, way back, uh, and uh, and um, I was working on a film as a. I like to tell this story because because I look at the amount of perseverance mm-hmm. that I had, and I and I, and it paid off, and I think without. Mm-hmm you can't get lucky so right. i'll just say the story really quickly and that is that oh. um, you know i had already decided i wanted to be an actor and i was willing to do anything to get on a set to get some experience do whatever so i volunteered myself as a um an unpaid production assistant on a movie in town in montreal and it was so exciting uh, vince van patten was the lead in this movie and a beautiful woman named claire Paris, and it was so romantic it was a romantic story and and I was a production assistant on this on this movie and I was absolutely thrilled. Every moment of the day, I would wake up in the middle of the night and go, great, we gotta be at <laughs> set at 4 a.m. I can't wait. And I'd trudge through the snow right. to get to the set and like work outdoors till the light came up. You know, it was nice. just crazy. And it just turned t- so happened that the locations manager on that set was the fabulous George Mahalka.
0: Wow, okay. And
2: he had already been he was on his way to producing. He had been given the money and so on. He was getting ready to set production for Pinball Summer. So he saw this little ragamuffin running around set with tremendous happiness and joy and exhilaration. And I also was a little overly powerful because there was one point we were in a hockey arena and Mm -hmm. I was like, at the time I was uh, 15, I think. And you know, and I was given the whistle (laughs) to tell people get up and get down and clap and not clap and whatever. took it very seriously I was pretty militant about it but anyway he's still he was still impressed with me in retrospect I would have said those are danger signs. she loves power but (laughs) but uh but he ignored those and uh he gave me my first job on pinball summer so when it came to my bloody valentine which was the second movie he just asked me to scream because on horror movies it's really important that you can get a good scream out awesome yep it was a really good screamer
0: <laughs> <laughs> and, and hey that that's great though i mean and i and i love this movie it's it's a classic a cult classic and it's uh, to me it's up there with the halloweens and the friday the 13th and that because i really enjoy this the low budget you know indie 80s vibe it gives off which is always my favorite like i like even the friday the 13s and the halloweens i don't really go to the newest ones i like going back to the 80s vibes and yeah. that's how i am with my bloody valentine i didn't really care for the remake or the reboot of it because i'm a 80 i like the 80s classics
2: yeah you know, there's something and, like wonderfully sort of i don't know it's yeah it's mm-hmm. just just feeling i mean yeah uh, yeah i i agree with you i mean you know we're jaded now and sometimes yeah. that sort of jaded thing comes off mm-hmm. in newer high budget productions it's like how much how many how many gory kills can we get how spectacular can that be and there's not as much attention paid to the story and creating characters that you're going to fall in love with Mm -hmm. and go and that kind of thing so yeah
0: right exactly and one of the best kills i in my opinion in the movie is actually yours yours is like really really it's I think it's gruesome, like it's like one of those like clever kills, like you know, right in the shower, impaled the head right on that it was yeah. a pipe or whatever it was.
2: I'm wondering if now that they've let out the new DVD with the un with the uh, you know never mm-hmm. before seen cuts. I haven't seen that DVD yet, but I wonder
0: yeah, if either.
2: If they really cut the poop out of? Uh, you know the the censors mm-hmm. really cut down a lot of the gore in the movie, and, right. uh, and made it pretty pretty, you know. You'd say, "Wow, is this a horror movie?" Well, not compared to nowadays. Well, that's because mm-hmm. of the censorship, and not because of the way we shot it. We actually had some really mm-hmm. interesting and wonderful special effects. We had the Berman right. Brothers working on
1: the
0: mm-hmm. on it,
2: so we had the best of the best working on that stuff. So
0: right, and yeah. the thing is, like back in the '80s, they oh the MPAA they never gave any love to the horror movies. They right. literally censored all of them, unlike they do now. But in the '80s, like almost all of them just got. All the good kills censored out. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. It was, so, it was a,
2: another time, you know. It was yeah. It
0: was... Exactly. So, well, how was your death? It was
2: prevalent then either.
0: Right. I mean, so, how was your death scene filmed and prepped? I'm oh, sorry for interrupting was, you. Where was it? Um. How was your uh, death scene filmed and prepped? Like, what did they do to make it to make the movie magic work?
2: Well, first of all, I got a whole prosthetic made of my body, which was really exciting. <laughs> um. Uh, I they flew me to Los Angeles and the Berman brothers had just finished doing a uh, mm-hmm. uh, David Bowie or uh, the man who fell to earth so mm-hmm. the previous day the man on the slab was David Bowie so I was like oh my god I he was my favorite rock star at the time still is yes. probably my favorite um, so uh, mm-hmm. so they did a prosthetic of me that was really really lifelike and that really helped with 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 mm-hmm. You know accomplishing the gore obviously getting right. that pull through my head had to be done somehow without killing me uh, right. <laughs> so really that's how they did it and also we were on we were on a roller i mean i don't know how peter how peter was able to hold me up the way he did to be honest he held me up like this and I, I I don't I don't know how he was able to do it. I mean, you know, I'm I'm 95 98 pounds of dead weight at the at the time I was about 95 pounds of dead weight. I'm a little more now, but uh, <laughs> but but you know that's a lot that's a lot to yeah. hold up like that. Even though I'm small, and then to just go like that, but he did it. And nice. we were on a, wall, uh, on a roller. I remember that part, uh, which is why it's so eerily smooth the way he's walking. Mm-hmm. It's just bizarre. Um, <laughs> it's really creepy. Um, nice. and so, and so we did that. And the, the fun part for me was like letting blood spill out of my mouth and shaking my legs. I remember shake, more, shake, shake,
1: shake,
2: right. <laughs> stop, stop, <Jay>. shake, stop. <laughs> <laughs> um, there was apparently some, some magical, uh, magical rhythm that my, my feet needed to accomplish to make it really,
0: right. <laughs> so yeah. Nice. Um, yeah. And I mean, I, th- that was probably the most. the the most effective part of your death scene i thought was your leg shaking because it it gave (laughs) the effect right (laughs) and it gave you the effect of like you know you're convulsing you just got your head like impaled and it's it really and the way you did it was superb like you i really you know I really give you praise for that because, I mean, first of all, it couldn't have been easy. And the fact that you did it and you did it with such, you know, effectiveness, it really was done well. Like, that's the first thing I've even noticed about the death. I'm like, ooh, that hurt. And then, like, holy crap, the legs, like, shaking. Like, that's awesome. Like, good touch.
2: (laughs) uh, George is a real, uh, he's a real visionary. Like, he, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I give George so much credit. Credit for casting the cast that he cast. Mm -hmm. He's got a great sense of people. We all adore each yeah. other, and that—that's no—that's no surprise because
1: mm-hmm. he
2: cast us all. So he cast a of people, I guess, or people that could adore each other. Self praise, self praise. But um, uh, no, he cast a wonderful cast of people, and we were all into it. We wanted to make right. it as as good and as real as possible. You know, we were just actors at the time. There wasn't such a thing as a screen queen, really. Mm-hmm. There wasn't enough horror for there to be Scream Queens or like this explosion of interest in, in the horror Mm -hmm. genre was not, was not there. We were right at the beginning of it. So, so for us, it was just a great movie, you know, it's just a great movie and we want to do a good
0: job. Exactly. And I mean, like you said, um, Scream Queens really, it originated around that time, but it really wasn't, it wasn't titled, you know what I mean? It wasn't really titled until later in the eighties or the mid eighties. And
1: that's it. Jamie yep. Lee
2: Curtis was the first big screen fan.
0: Yep. I, I can agree with that. <laughs> I can definitely agree with that. In
2: fact, he was finishing Happy Birthday to Me and Lori, the lead in our movie, mm-hmm. was an extra on Happy Birthday to oh, Me. Oh,
0: nice. Yeah. I did not know and that. I, I didn't even think
2: of yeah, that. Yes, That's Lori awesome. An extra on Happy Birthday to Me. She might have had a line or two.
0: <laughs> and
2: she went straight from there to, uh, to My Bloody Valentine.
0: That's awesome. So uh, how was George as a director?
2: George is an amazing director. First of all, he's an amazing person. He's just mm-hmm. fun to be around. He laughs a lot. He's just got a he's just got a very uh uplifting personality and he's over the years you can you can see that about George. He's a very right. f- funny, warm, bear of a guy. He was, you know, he's not that much older than me really, but at the mm-hmm. time I guess the age difference meant a lot. So he was kind mm-hmm. of like dad to me. Like he was right. you know, he was a director. He was somebody to respect, but he was so uh he was so, um, he was just amused by everything that we did. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was really good at suggesting things. Like I remember on Pinball Summer, he gave me a line reading about something and I just, I didn't know what the line reading was. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just said it exactly like he wanted me to say it. And it turns out it's a very funny part of the movie. It doesn't really matter now. But (laughs) that was the thing about George is he, he, uh, he just had a really wonderful, Mm But he's a uh, very—he's a guy you want to know, and a guy you want to be around, and a guy you want to please. Right. So we were all doing our best to make him happy. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. Um, So was it his idea for you to do the uh, leg shaking, or was it? Yeah,
2: all George, all George. George? Like you know, none of none of the things that you see on that screen are incidental. Or oh, look at that! Gee, we found something. No, 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 (laughs) no. We practiced the leg. uh, You know the legs. the the leg
0: shakes
1: and all that That and it shows
0: that you you definitely practiced it and but it doesn't show it to the point that it's it's automatically like oh that's rehearsed like you can tell that you used your skill as an actress to make it to make you know to to practice it but make it look authentic
2: yes exactly I mean we practiced it on screen like we were shooting and he was like guiding me. he was like you know
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. awesome. but he
2: knew that that was. He obviously give him credit for knowing that that was uh, going to be very effective. Yeah, you know, just seeing yeah. seeing my legs was going to be effective. Yeah. Unfortunately for us, we had that because initially. You know they cut out so much of that mm-hmm. because it was brutal
0: you know right and thankfully the the like you said the that was so effective that even because it was cut so much that the leg gave it some the extra credit because if it That's wasn't right. for the leg shaking and everything i i mean the death might have not been as effective or as good as it exactly as it came
2: yeah, yeah you kind of felt it
0: ah yeah i know <laughs> so what was your most memorable moment while filming my bloody valentine
2: Oh, just, you know, I mean, of course, my death scene was extremely uh, memorable, because I was very, uh, I was very method. And, uh, you know, I really wanted to feel I wanted to I wanted it to be believable, I didn't, right. I, I wanted to experience the the sheer terror of what was going on, and so I was keeping myself in a state of high anxiety, and yeah. I know that people were chuckling on the side, it was only 16 at the time, <laughs> I think, so people were on right. the side chuckling going, oh, there she goes, uh, I guess she doesn't know the Lawrence Olivier story or whatever,
1: you know, right? like
2: <laughs> just do a little bit of acting, you know, the story about uh um, Dustin Hoffman like staying mm-hmm. up all night and running and exhausting himself right. for the running man in Lawrence Olivia is just saying uh you know try try a little bit of acting it's a lot right. easier. but I wasn't like that I was very very method so I That's really nice. really remember like doing my you know really I just remember vividly
1: the, the, the
2: coats coming down and, and the feeling of fear that I had at the back of my, you know, that, that feeling that you're being chased. I had all of that. And so right. it was really good that it ended up on screen because, you know, I have done, uh, I've done s- similar things with other movies. And the fact is, is that experiencing something mm-hmm. does not always translate on screen. Like I have seen myself do things and go, I could have tried a little bit of acting there because, yeah you know what i was feeling so <laughs> hard yeah like not really you know it was for me nobody else got that you know so right. yeah
0: exactly and, and yeah. sometimes like uh, like you think that it's going to come out that that way but like you said when you watch it back it's like uh, maybe i could have you know i could have maybe i could have looked a little more fearful because that's why like a lot of the actors that for example that play jason or michael myers they like to stay away from the cast and crew because they don't want them to know what kind of person they are behind the mask because once they know what kind of actor they are that they're a good person the fear the fear level is not going to be really there you know yeah. What I mean?
2: yeah yeah no absolutely i mean it makes it easier for everybody the the truer the the truer the thing is the the, the easier the acting is but, but there's also like a very strange story I had where I was, uh, this is a movie of the week and I was at a funeral and I I can't remember who had just died, but apparently it mattered to me a great deal. And I was supposed to be crying at the funeral and I could not get a tear out of my eye and everybody around me was like, you know, really sobbing. It was a terrible, 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 terrible terrible event. And I just couldn't get it. And finally the makeup lady comes up to me and she like puts like the things in my eye, the little salt things in my eye. And I was so humiliated. I just, when they called rolling, I was just like, oh my God. And I just looked at the grave and and I was so still. Mm
1: -hmm. And
2: like these tears just started rolling down my face, not because I was sad, but because she had, you know, uh, made my eyes tear up. And I saw it on screen and it was like, oh my that's brilliant. I look brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) I was so still. There was so little going on except for the tears rolling down my face. It was so dramatic, and I'm like, okay, well, sometimes you gotta pretend.
0: (laughs) Right, exactly. Now, uh, pretending is better. Right, and now one thing um, I I was going to ask, like when you brought that up, it wasn't even an original question. Um, do, Do do does like thinking of like a tragedy in your family ever like help you cry at all when you're on screen at all, or do you like how does that work?
2: Well, you know what's very interesting is that. Acting changes. It's not like math. Right. So as you get older, things change. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, I couldn't identify with tragedy the way I can now. Right. And so I was very much in the moment of the movie. Fortunately, I'm, I'm an empath.
1: Right. So
2: I tend to believe mm-hmm. what is happening when I'm in the movie. Like I, they've done studies that the brain doesn't know when it's dreaming or or isn't dreaming. So if you lucid dream, your mind goes through the emotion just as if it was a true thing that happened. In other right. words, it, it's all true to the to the mind. So I could easily put myself in a state where the person that I you know when I was on Doctor Quinn, I I always say I've never been married, but uh, I was married on Doctor Quinn, and my my husband's name was Horace, and I adored him. Right my husband and i feel like i've had two lives i've had a life as myra who was married to horace and had a beautiful child i've had that emotional experience you know um uh so but as you get older more tragedies occur Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it is easier and easier to act
1: (laughs) yes it it really does it's
2: like it's all just there and it's not necessarily specifically something Mm -hmm. For me, yeah, everybody's different, but for me, if I think of something that's not in the room at the time, mm-hmm. uh, it, it takes me right out of it. I just did a film yeah. recently with an incredible actor named Raphael. Uh, it's called, um, I don't know Ralph's uh, last name or Raphael's last name. But anyway, all I can say is that we had this incredibly emotional scene and I just had to connect with what he was doing. right. And what he was doing was so powerful it can bring tears to my eyes right now just thinking about it because it was devastating so Mm
1: -hmm.
2: i have as i get older i have such greater access to all of my emotions i'm a much better actress now than i was then put it that way
0: that's awesome that's awesome and I can't like we're gonna talk later tonight, obviously with the uh, the cast of uh, yeah. Phobias, which is an upcoming indie film, and uh, for and like I said, um, my one friend uh, Matt Burns is part of it and everything. And uh, like uh, I I can't I definitely can't wait for this movie to come out and see how. Yeah. It really- Really obviously see your part and I know he said you're yeah. a major part of it so I'm looking forward to that
2: yeah me too I definitely
0: can't wait for that so um so what so speaking of indie films uh what is it like being part of a low-budget indie film and are there any type of challenges that you can co- that you come across
2: um well uh I feel like I came from low budget indie film, even though really relative to the kind of budgets that I've been working on recently, we had a lot of money on My Bloody Valentine.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: but the sense of excitement and the sense of, uh, of importance mm-hmm. uh, and the sense of camaraderie that the, the cast and crew have on an indie film, usually when there's young filmmakers, they're not jaded uh they're not unionized uh you can pull the cable and you can hold the mirror and uh, you can help to sew the dress if it's got a broke the seam in it so there's a much more family atmosphere people helping each other maybe you'll even help in the kitchen or whatever you know I like to be busy on a set it's really really boring sitting in your trailer like it's boring
1: it
2: is. Uh, so you know um I like indie film. I like this modern indie film. I feel very close to most of the filmmakers that I work with. I'm uh, especially good friends with uh, Luke Bernier and uh, Jake Zelch and uh, Jeff Schneider and. Um, my gosh, I've lost touch with some people, but at the time that I'm on the set, I adore these people and I'll do anything mm-hmm. for them. I try to vet the movies really well. I've made a couple of mistakes, it's true. There's a couple of yeah. things I'm not so proud of, but you <laughs> have to take chances like that when you're working yeah. in any film. People are trying to do something beautiful. Uh, they're starting up with a beautiful idea. You know, I say I use beautifully because I even horror is beautiful. Like, you know, yeah. I think that the the people I've chosen to work with Uh, are extraordinary, they have extraordinary ideas. Um, And, uh, and you just try to support them. And I love that about indie film, you know, going uh, to, uh, you know, when I was working on Dr. Quinn, that was also wonderful, because I was working on it for such a long period of time, that we were able to create families in there. Mm-hmm. but I'm a real people person. You'll get me if you go over a family, you'll get me. I shouldn't even say that now because the next person that says it, I'll be like, well, yeah, you heard that interview. <laughs> but I love the family atmosphere. Um, film is a, is a communal experience. You cannot do it alone. It's very hard to do alone. You can't play all the parts and do all of this stuff. You depend on people to have a cohesive vision and, uh, and that makes it a really special thing. And it's always really intense. Nine to five is nine to five, but when you're working on a movie, you're trying to get something done. It's costing every, every moment costs a ton of money and you have a very little time to get it done. And and there's that elevated intensity that I'm also, let's be honest, addicted to. Um, Being on sets are very, very special. Um, You know, I had, I had experienced a dearth of, of, of work at some point in time. I can't even believe that I'm admitting this because it's 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 kind of crazy that I even considered this, but uh but a uh, a friend of mine was doing a movie and uh, and said well why don't you come along and be an extra? <laughs> uh, so I was like yeah because I just I was just dying to be on a movie set, and I went and I, I got to say that was not a good experience (laughs) you know like having had all the experience that i've had and then but i got to experience what it's like being an extra right uh you know unappreciated treated like cattle uh yeah I got I got that experience not when I would you know they, that's I stop at extra now I you know probably but 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 by the same token I have good friends that are extras and they love it and they do a great job with it so I yeah. shouldn't even say that but for me having come from a series regular on a network television show I uh I, I it was a very hard experience but a humbly one so yeah
0: yeah uh, independent
2: film sets are
0: amazing. I completely agree. And a lot of people know this from my past interviews. Of course, I mentioned it a lot um, that I own a company called Gravestone Films. And uh, we had our first movie, uh, it was released this past October in 2020 and uh, it's called Samhain. And uh, it's like, of course, low budget. We had every- What is it? How do you spell that? Uh, S-A-M-H-A-I-N. It looks like Samhain, but it's pronounced Samhain.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Yes.
0: So, uh, we had, um, so like it was low budget, everything that like was made of it, of course came out of my paycheck every two weeks. That was where our our funds came from. Every paycheck I earned, I put into the movie, either put it towards my bills in my movie and that was it really, you know, of course food and all that, but that was really all I did. And, um, and, uh, yeah, it it was, it was a great experience. We made a lot of mistakes. It wasn't the greatest movie out there really. I I mean, it it lacked a lot of stuff because it was our first movie we ever made. Like it was our first one. So we're, it's not going to be good. And I interviewed Tommy McLaughlin, who directed uh, Jason, uh, Jason lives, the sixth friend of the 13th. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I told, he asked me, he followed me, he's on my Facebook friends list and he asked me uh, how uh, the movie's coming. He follows my posts and I told him about it and everything goes, you know what I tell every, everybody when they ask me what my favorite movie is? And I said, what? And he goes, the next one. Cause yeah. I, do something yeah. I don't like about the, the one I did in the past. And he said, yeah. every, everyone you do next is always going to be better than the last. So right. it's, it was good advice that he gave. And, uh, I mean, it's not the greatest movie. And Matt knows that. Like, Matt, Matt, you know, he supported us and got the copy. And we straight up told him about it. And he, he said, yeah, I'm going to be honest. It wasn't that good. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I know. I can completely agree with it. And we made mistakes. And it's been announced. We're redoing it with a better backstory. With Now we have a budget. That's the thing. That's
2: the thing about any movie is yeah. the story has got to be rock solid. Yep. Because when you blow it up on a screen, yep any of the plot points or anything that's just a little flimsy Mm -hmm. but you can have a really terribly shot fantastic story Mm -hmm. and you'll get away with it it won't be ideal but if there's a story there and the actors are good so the actors are believable you could set the camera on the moon Mm -hmm. and they'll follow the story if there's a story there but you know i i i did a movie called um that i wrote directed produced and starred in
0: oh wow (laughs) oh i feel
2: you i feel you and i spent three hundred and fifty thousand dollars on this movie okay and uh you know i gave it to friends to vet for me and nobody told me that it had plot point issues yeah and when you're writing it you have no idea you, yep. you because everything's in your head you don't know that some of it's not on the page.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly, exactly. And and after we had the we had the premiere and we asked um, everybody in attendance like you know obviously not at the premiere we asked them you know right. later on maybe yeah. a day or so later we just asked them like what what didn't you like about the movie what didn't you like about it because we know it's not the greatest movie out there we know right. it's, it's our first movie we made mistakes what didn't you like but don't yeah. don't sugarcoat it. Tell us the truth. Be blunt. Yes.
1: How that's do you- how you
0: learn. That's how you learn. And they told us some things. They said um, we didn't understand some of the backstory and we were kind of going to include that in the sequel of it because that was kind of the plan to make it into a trilogy type of thing. Right. And uh, the thing is, you can't put it in the sequel and leave it out of the original because nobody's then going to want to see the sequel. And that's <laughs> one point that we made a
2: mistake. Oh my gosh. You know, all these things that seem so simple to learn, yeah. but it's like, Oh, and the hardest thing, won't you agree? The hardest thing is to write the write the darn yes, thing. It's it, is. Writing is it is is hard.
0: It really is. And the best part was, though, we did perfect casting on this, and he's going to return in the reboot of it. And he's part of our other, like, he's part, of, pretty much part of our production company when we need him. If we need him for something, we will have him either audition or we'll offer him a part, whatever we think he's good at. But hey. you audition for this role, and it's for the killer. It's the killer. It's uh, basically his name is Justin Freed, and he escapes from the mental hospital that he was locked up in. And uh, he has uh, multiple personality type disorder. So he ends up, uh, seeing this house and this clown costume kind of speaks to him and he turns into this killer clown his name is relic which spells killer backwards i like it yeah. so he the, the laugh he did oh my god it was so creepy everybody said the best part of the movie was Brett as relic like he was the best part I of the movie because he was a good clown he was a comedic clown he and some of the like even some of the deaths were really inventive like somebody said that like like the one death was really good they just wish that the actress doing it would have made it would have they put a little more effort into it yeah um, but it was That's a the thing about
2: dying and about whatever you can't yep. you can't just try to look pretty and go oh right. no you can't yep. no you got it mm-hmm. death is ugly you gotta you yep. gotta look surprised you gotta look shocked exactly you gotta look horrified you gotta look like it's painful you know yep. your eyes you yep. gotta roll backwards your face is gonna make crazy you know yep. you got to either yeah you can't just ah, do it really. and
0: a lot of people tell me that that death though was like so unique it was basically he drowned her in a bowl of cereal wow that's pretty good the daughter that he's going after her name is sammy s-a-m-i so uh, mm-hmm. like that's the girl he's trying to go after like the kill and everything and of course he comes across these other people and then a group of video game nerds come to rescue her and all that but uh anyways uh she <laughs> like when he lifts her head up and after he drowned her he lifts her head up and all, it, the cereal alphabet cereal and it spells sammy on her forehead <laughs> <laughs> i thought that was a clever addition that's that
2: was- very funny. you gotta make yeah. i mean i, I think we yeah. did that with my bloody Valentine. you've got to make yes. some in there absolutely exactly.
0: that's fun and as long as it's done right and the, and the comedy doesn't overtake the the horror aspect of it yeah. like as long as you have like because people going to see this movie think it's going to be you know even if it's labeled a horror comedy they want the horror aspect of it they don't exactly. want it to be uh you know a meet the parents or type of movie or like no exactly they want they want Story.
2: a little process they want to yes.
0: jump in the seats they exactly. want to go like,
2: ah!
0: <laughs> exactly and that that we had a couple jump scares and that was good um i, I love i do love a very good jump scare and I, that's one thing that you know and i'm sure you agree and others agree that the horror, like i like when i jump in my seat like i am not afraid where i'm going like this or anything like i'm ex- excited because it gets the adrenaline flowing that's you know? right
2: that's the addiction that's, the, the, that's the part of
0: the addiction like you said the addiction yeah. of a horror movie is getting the scare
2: yeah that <laughs> And it takes your mind right out of the present, right? You, Right. So you know, a horror movie, you're all in, you know. You, you yes. don't want to miss the moment. You don't want to run to the fridge. You know, you might miss something, you know. Right. You have everything, right. all your goodies in front of you. You got to be ready to go. And then you just, like, turn the lights out and watch the movie. right. And you're- Gone for a while
0: you yeah, know really. so. And i have actually speaking of that I have a funny story to tell you about when I was younger I was probably a good seven eight years old yes I watched horror movies since I was like six
1: oh, um, oh I was God. like
0: seven or eight years old at the time and it, it was a Friday the 13th out and I was watching you guessed it Friday the 13th and it was a thunderstorm out, of course, of, of all, like on all days, we have a thunderstorm on Friday the 13th. So yeah. my parents are in the room doing whatever, like, I guess they were cleaning up or something or other. It was late. It was night. It was dark out, of course. And I'm watching yeah. Friday the 13th in the living room. And uh, here uh, Jason's about to turn off the, um, turn the power off at the house and i've seen the movie like maybe one or two times so i knew what was kind of gonna happen
1: uh-huh. but uh, he,
0: he was getting ready to like get the power box and right when the, he shut their power off our power went off at the same exact oh my God. time and like you <laughs> cannot plan that like that is a very big coincidence and i just i'm like <gasps> And I ran over to my parents in the other room and I'm like, "Mommy, daddy, mommy, daddy." They're like, "What's wrong? What's wrong?" I'm like, "Jason's coming. Jason's coming." They're like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "Jason turned the power off. Our power went off." They're like, "That's why we told you not to watch scary
1: movies." Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> and that, that was that was an I told that story a few times to a few of my guests on the oh show my and God, oh, that's yeah. that's just that's a, that just the coincidental aspect of that like at the literally at that's this terrible. exact second.
1: It is oh true. It's kind of like any
2: addiction, too, because, like, you know, I, so often, especially when you're younger, but I mean, especially when you're older and you're so susceptible, you're like, okay, I'm, I'm going to watch this. Like, last night, I couldn't get to sleep, so I decided to listen to a um, a, a, a ghost story on, uh, whatchamacallit, anyway, I was listening to a ghost story to get me to sleep, which was crazy, because it was a scary ghost story, mm-hmm. and, like, and, soon, and it was based on a true story. Uh, somebody that thought they were a vampire anyway it was scary try again and um oh I don't know what what she's doing somebody's talking um (laughs) but even of course I couldn't get to sleep and I had the worst I don't remember my dreams unless they're scary Mm -hmm. so I just you know woke up in cold sweat the whole night like why would I do that to myself thinking that you know, it was compelling, and I did right. fall asleep, and I'm not quite sure about the ending, but uh, today I'll, I'll probably have to figure it out. But, yeah, why do you listen to a ghost story when you're about mm-hmm. to go
1: to sleep? Crazy. Exactly. So
0: I, I, to- I have a lot of fears, and I know I watch horror movies, and obviously, and I uh, the worst part is to watch them late at night, yeah. um, right before bed, or fall asleep yeah. to them, but I do yeah. that. Like, usually if, if I'm going right. to fall asleep, you know, it has crazy. to be a movie, I know, but why would I do this to myself? <laughs> right. Then I end up having a dream. It's, like, it's and,
2: like an addiction. It's like you immediately regret it. I used to smoke, and you know, I'd be like, "Ah, oh, I'm not going to smoke. I'm not going to smoke." Except for this one cigarette, and I'd just take a puff and I'd go, "Damn it!"
0: Right? Exactly. Exactly.
2: I got God again. You know?
0: <laughs> exactly. So, what was the best part about filming my bloody Valentina? What was the worst?
2: There was no worst. I was in awesome. absolute joy the whole time. I mm-hmm. cannot think of a worst thing. Uh, mostly because I wasn't down in the mines. My character never made it to the mines. <laughs> right. uh, so I know that there was like some some pretty scary stuff happening in the mines and I wish right. I could tell you what it was but I don't know because I wasn't <laughs> there. Uh, um, but I I, I know that, uh, uh, there's a funny story about the mines. They, they mm-hmm. uh, um, know they scouted this place and the mines were perfect and they were old and they were closed down because they were i think that they were beyond you couldn't work in them anymore like for some (laughs) reason i think because they were dangerous but (laughs) when the town found out that we were coming they were all excited and in honor of us they repainted the mines and made everything just pristine and beautiful and we arrived there and we're like no.
1: Oh no.
2: And so we had to spend some pre-production time actually repainting the mines back down to their, you know, their grimy old ancient cells, you know, so right. it was that. But um uh, there was really no no oh it was it was a dream come true. Uh, I you know I, I say I say that I was lucky in my life because of this. Um, I feel that if when you attempt to do something that's scary mm-hmm. to do and you put yourself out and you risk a lot, mm-hmm. you risk humiliation, and embarrassment, and failure, and you win. Yep. There's nothing more powerful than that. Mm-hmm. And the first three auditions I ever auditioned for in my life, I got.
0: Right. Awesome.
2: So I was filled with the power of possibility. And that gave me courage throughout the next millennium of my life. Right. To, to deal with the ups and downs of being an actor because I know that it's possible and I know right. that I have something valuable to offer. So anyway um, it was a my segueing back to my Bloody Valentine It was a great experience and I made lifelong friends cleans- friends out of it. I didn't go to university because I started acting right away mm-hmm. and I got kicked out of theater school uh, for good reason my my uh, my theater school teacher who I adored my Shakespearean teacher said, uh, he's, I, he said, you do the movie, My Bloody Valentine, or, or you do theater school, you don't do both. And, and I said, but that's crazy. I'm, I'm studying to be an actress, uh, you know, why can't I go and do the work that I'm studying to do? And he said, ah, where you're going, you don't need theater school. Nice. Slam.
1: Nice. <laughs> oh my
2: God, I was so hurt. Anyway, that was that was the painful, sad part about doing my bloody Valentine is I got kicked out of theater school. Um, <laughs> but the beautiful part about it is that I have lifelong friends that I adore that are like family, that are like my soul. I mean, I adore these people. And we've been very, very lucky that that's true. We have a fantastic a director to thank for that. And so we had so much fun on that shoot, like the camaraderie, camaraderie and this has been said over and over again in interviews but it's just uh, the happy truth of it is that we had a great time
0: that's awesome and the thing is like a lot of people like going back to the acting thing a lot of people don't realize that part of being acting is the rejections and it it hurts it does and like 90 percent of that that profession that career is being rejected because each film can only have so many people to cast. That's and there's right. probably hundreds and thousands of people that audition for these roles, depending on how big the you know the film is. And it, it hurts, but it's part of that business. And it it's the sucky part, but it, it's part of the business.
2: That's right. And if you're gonna be an actor, you you have to really believe that you have something to offer. I don't know, have a deeper reason. I, I do have a deeper reason. I grew up I grew up next to an orphanage. And um I just, I did, did connect very early on into uh, unfairness right, and, uh, uh, you know, uh, inequity. And, uh, and so, you know, it's no mistake that aside from my Bloody Valentine and Pinball Summer, but most of my career has been playing delinquents and hookers and prostitutes mm-hmm. and not people that you would, that right. you would tend to not think well of, I've right. always had an empathy for, 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 For characters that have been cast aside and and uh and it's sort of been a bit of a mission you know because i grew up with some kids that were amazing amazing children and when they got into adulthood the little holes in their upbringing Mm -hmm. showed up and a lot of them ended up in jail or dead Mm -hmm. yeah
0: and it's sad but but that's how it happens a lot of the times like we we were like for my high school graduating class like we don't even have class reunions because like 75 percent of the class is either in jail or dead
1: yeah. So like, you know. Yeah.
0: So it's it's really it's a shame, but that I mean, especially nowadays, like you know, people are you know wanting to you know try to you know do the drugs and do all that different stuff. Well, and,
2: life and, is, it, you know, there's there. It's it's a pretty scary, scary yeah. future. My sister's got a 19 year old son, mm-hmm. and I would say that he's he he holds the weight of the world on his shoulders. Like mm-hmm. when I was a kid, like you never thought about the end of the world. Right, You you know, you never, you thought, you heard about climate change, but you weren't really that concerned about it, you know? You didn't, you didn't have to consider a future that was going to be very different from your parents' future. But like the future that we have ahead of us, and also the disparities in wealth Mm
1: -hmm. have
2: grown. Yeah. You know, just unbelievably, like. Exactly. Just in Los Angeles in the past five years, uh, you know five years ago
1: mm-hmm.
2: you'd never see a homeless person right maybe w- so rarely that i i can't even think of it
1: mm-hmm.
2: now you drive by cities <laughs> homeless cities i was in africa and i w- went to soweto and it's not that different right and it lets you know that there is something really mm-hmm. something is up
0: yeah something
2: is the world is changing and not in a not good way. So yeah. right.
0: And and the thing is like and plus the pandemic, it doesn't help at all.
2: No, the pandemic yeah. makes things worse because yeah. uh, even fewer jobs. And there's even a I mean, you know, we keep going when when are we getting back to the to normal? Well right. well, it's possible that this is the new normal to some degree. Yeah. Because yeah. we just don't know. What other diseases are going to be coming up like this? Exactly,
0: then- it, it's what sad, other? and like, and then on top of that, we have the obviously COVID, and then they're talking about that new strain, which this vaccine is help is a, supposed to help with. But what happens if there's another new strain, but the vac- it does the vaccine doesn't help against it? And then where do we go from there? You know what I mean? That's
2: the thing is, is I think that those- that's what I'm looking at is like, do we will we ever take our masks off now? Right. You know, yeah, uh, because it just seems to be. Yeah, you know, but maybe we're in the middle of a really a really bad time, and it'll be rosy afterwards. Uh, right. Let's so you know, yeah. uh, we've certainly we've certainly survived plagues, and mm-hmm. life has gotten back to normal. Yeah. So it's possible that that yeah. is like that. But yeah. kids today, or younger people today, it's really hard to
0: yeah.
1: It's really and hard. like
0: I don't care about myself as much in terms of if I got it because I'm young, I'm healthy, you know I can handle it. I care about the other people out there that have a family member that is sick that if they that live with them that if they get it and the family member gets it they'd pass away. My dad is battling stage four brain cancer. He's, he, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. He's been sorry. battling it for five years. this September he was given a year and a half to survive. He's now going on five years. this September and yeah. he had a stroke right after brain surgery. Um, two days after brain surgery so it's it's like the poor guy like nothing you know nothing go right and then actually last week late last week i think it was friday or was it thursday or something like that um he ended up falling um i guess he was going into going to get ready for bed or whatever and he fell and they my mom had to call the ambulance because they couldn't get him up and here he uh partially fractured his hip and had to get a partial hip uh replacement so i just spoke to him earlier today and he's supposed to be going over to a rehab facility for inpatient um but they uh think that they have to like evaluate him to see how long he's going to be needed to be there but it's like one i feel so bad for him like one thing after another and i wrote a book about it and everything was a bestseller and uh I told my dad um, like they I didn't tell them this at all. My dad was sleeping. My mom was at, like somewhere else Um, where my dad was in the hospital the day before sur- the night before surgery. It was like middle of the night, like 4am and I was in his room and I was talking to him and he didn't hear me. He was out from the medicine and my mom was, I guess sleeping in the waiting room or something or other. And uh, they didn't know this until I ended up uh, until I ended up writing the book. And I, I, I was kind of trying to keep them from reading the books. I didn't want them to know what I said, <laughs> but I, uh, oh. what I said to my dad was, I said, dad, you've done more for me than you've ever done in three lifetimes than i could repay you in three lifetimes like i i pray to god every i'm praying to god like every day like every second of this day that to get rid of this this uh, brain cancer from you and if you need the vessel to put it in to put it in me give it to me because i don't you're too good of a guy to even have this and when they read that in the book, they, they were crying and they couldn't believe it. And I'm like, yeah, I said that. And I I mean, I meant it because my dad is a good guy and he's, he's so young. He's in his like mid to or late, late fifties or whatever. And the fact that, you know, not fair. it's not fair, like he's, 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 he would, he would do anything for anybody. Like, and I know everybody says that about their loved ones, but like, you know, I, I'm like dead serious. Like my dad, like if, if he, if you needed something, he would, he would give it a second thought. He would get up and do it for you. I remember when I was going to college and like my first college I went to, cause I went to two different colleges. I went to a community college and then a university. And when I went to my first college, uh, I, I was, you know, I was the first time I was independent first time I was on my own. And I mean, I was living there maybe a year or so at my apartment at the time, but my dad would always take me back. Like, cause he would, he would like to spend time with me. It was like an hour drive. So he liked to spend that time with me. And, um, he ended up, um, he ended up, uh, you know, taking me to Walmart and he would buy me a lot of food and everything like that. Um, <laughs> whatever I needed, he would let me get whatever I wanted or whatever. So I'd be like, of oh, this, this is like, sure, sure. I, the cart is like filled at this point, like at least $300 worth of food is in there for only me, of course. And I'm like, and he's like, no more. That's enough. We, we have enough in here. You're not putting anything else in the cart. I'm like, okay. I'm like, oh, dad, I really want this. And he's like, <laughs> <laughs> like he would just do it for me because. Are you the, an
2: only the, child?
0: I'm the only child.
2: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <you know> <laughs> yep.
0: And like my dad, like, and another thing is like my dad told, like, always, he told me, and he told my cousin this as well. Like, he, he always said, like, it, but it, the speech to me was different than to them, of course, because he wasn't their father. But he said, I know you're going to be going to college, you're going to be underage. Uh, you might be—you probably—you might be drinking underage, and even if, if you're 21 and you're still in college and you're still drinking, if you're drinking, I want you to—if you're at a party, a club, anywhere you're at, at a bar, I don't care where you are, I do not want you getting in that car and driving home. If you have to call me, I don't care what time it is. You call me, I will be more than happy to pick you up because I'd rather be mad at you and pick you up than have to, you know, bury my son. And yeah, I remembered exactly him telling me that. And I was—call
2: call him? Did you ever make that and, call? And,
0: that's, that's just getting into that yep
1: <laughs> I, I, was,
0: I remembered it it was about maybe six months into college and it was like uh it was like getting close not six months uh six weeks into college and it was getting close to you know getting very close like maybe the halfway point a little past the halfway point and uh, i was it was a weekend um and i had all my homework done that weekend i had all my studying done and all that so i'm like i'm gonna go to this this club and with, with a couple friends so i did and uh, I got drunk, and I couldn't even stand. Like, I was really, really drunk. And uh, I, ca- I, I, my friends, obviously, they left, and I was one of the last ones to leave. And I, I drove there. I drove there. Like, that was the one that drove there. And I thought to myself, I had the keys in my hand. I was, like, on the floor, like, outside in the parking lot. And I was, like, I had the keys. I'm, like, looking at them. And I looked at my car, like, can't do it. And like, my dad's going to kill me, oh, but I, my, I, I, my dad told me. So I called my dad. I had my phone, thankfully. And I called my dad and I said, Hey dad. And he said, yeah, what's up Scotty? Why do you sound so like, like, why didn't you sound normal? Like what's going on? Are you okay? I'm like, I'm drunk. I'm at a club in a city an hour away. It's like, or it like maybe 10 minutes from my apartment, but it was an hour from him. It was like three in the morning, three, four in the morning. And I wow. called him, and uh, he and I told him what happened. I'm drunk, and I I remember the speech he told me, and I can't drive. He's like, I'm proud of you for calling me. We will talk about this when I come up there. So he said I'll be I'll be there in an hour. He said um, go in. He said if you can go in your car and uh, don't turn it on, but go in your car and stay safe. Because if you turn your car on and a cop comes up, then it's a DUI. Because even if you're not oh, driving, so- at least in Pen- uh-huh. at least in Pennsylvania, yeah. It um, um, so everywhere
1: that's a good thing might be
0: have. everywhere because obviously they don't know if you've been driving or not so right. yeah right. so i ended up uh ended up um ended up going to my car and i kept it off and just waited for my dad and he got there and he picked me up and he uh he, he stayed the night because it was like you know three or four in the morning so he stayed until the next morning because oh. he t- had to take me back to get my car <laughs> so uh he ended up. Right. Going that's down. right <laughs> but he, yeah. But he ended up. Uh, we ended up having a nice talk coming home. Oh, and we,
1: that's uh, so wonderful. And that's so was,
0: good. Like I'm not. I, I'm mad at you, but I'm proud of you as well because you were responsible. You told me what you were. What What was going on? You told me. You know that you didn't risk driving because, like I told you before, I would rather not bury my son. I would rather have to make this right. That's call.
2: great. Well, you're yeah. lucky that you have parents like that yeah. that are able. That are yeah. that are really present. And yep. that dad is really present. Right.
0: And, uh, exactly. And that's the fact true. you're
2: very, very lucky.
0: Thank you. Yep. can yep. have a
2: job like that.
0: Right, and I, I told my dad, like, my whole family, my mom, everybody, my mom's been been by my dad's side ever since they've been married for over 30 years. They've, she's been by my dad's side since he was first in the hospital. She never left his side, and she never, you know, she she always takes care of him. Like, that's why I live in Maryland, because I work for the Coast Guard. So I um, I end up, uh, I have my own apartment down here, and uh, I go home. It's about a three-hour drive every weekend. Just here to um, I live in Woodlawn, Maryland, uh, Pennsylvania. It's in northeastern, about an hour oh. north of Harrisburg. So it's about maybe I'd say you drive um, in the snow, yeah. huh?
2: You drive in the snow?
0: Um, not in the snow. Like I was supposed to go home this past weekend, but it was snowing on Friday, so I didn't make. I didn't go home, and I was supposed to. And then, of course, that was the weekend. My dad ended up uh, ended up falling, oh. so it would have it would have been nice. So now I'm not going to possible
2: now with a broken hip.
0: Yeah, he is. Um, he's, he's still in the hospital. He had his hip replacement surgery. It was successful. Um, so that's good. Um, he, everything was good there. He was in a lot of pain, but he's uh, today. He wasn't in that much. So, but, uh, my uh, mom
2: had hip replacement surgery. The key to hip replacement surgery is to do every single exercise they tell you to do, do it every day, do it diligently Mm -hmm. and you'll regain my mother. My mother recovered and yep. did not need a cane for a long time until she needed a cane because she was right. unstable, but not because of her hips.
0: Right. And
2: the key to hip replacement is to make sure you do those exercises because you don't right. want to.
0: Right. And it, it's harder for my dad because I told you about he had the stroke after brain surgery. So it paralyzed his left side. That's why he felt. Oh, gosh. So that was really butt. important yep. just
1: getting movement yep. going.
0: Yep. And he, he, he always, so he's, he's still paralyzed it. on the left side. He's still paralyzed. Yeah, for five years now. Yep, and he didn't have his eyesight for the first year um, after he had the surgery because but he's the tumor. a
2: tumor. He still wants to be yep. here
0: because he yep. could have given up. Yep, and exactly. He is. The tumor was the size of a man's fist. Oh and my god! That they gave him something you lift.
2: could you see. Huh? Did you
0: see it or not? You couldn't see it. We we, uh, um, on the CAT scan, they were able to they were able to tell it was a tumor there. They didn't know if it was cancer. That's when they got. You
2: couldn't see it in his head.
0: Oh no, you couldn't see it in his head. No, it was in the brain. Yeah.
2: Wow. Yeah, you couldn't really
0: see it. But um,
2: so resilient.
0: And it was Amazing. it was weird because it started like he he started being having small symptoms where he would where he would like drive through a red light which you would never do do and then he I'd be like dad why'd you go through that red light are the cops gonna come He's like I don't know we'll find out if we see light flashing lights behind us it's jokes he would never make before like it was making him act weird he would drop a he dropped a pickle jar in um in Walmart and he would just he would like run up to me and he'd be like he'd be like. Just gonna they're gonna they're about to call it clean up an aisle or whatever the aisle was and like just things like that, like he wouldn't make a joke about like
2: you know Alfie from uh Al- what's Alfie's last name? I've known him for years. You know, Alfie and my bloody Valentine died of yes. a died of a brain tumor. Did he? I didn't know that. Cancer. And we thought and he thought up until moments before he died, your dad is very lucky that they diagnosed it because yep. moments but bef- you know for a very long time, too mm-hmm. long. They thought he it was premature alzheimer's or premature wow. dementia because wow. he was behaving a little strangely he became yep. extremely forgetful yep um but that's what alfie died of yeah
0: wow yeah my like my, they, my dad uh he like he was he retired from his full-time job and he would work do landscaping work on the side with people he retired with for the state and uh he was doing some work and he was just not himself at all and the guy he was working with called my mom and said you get your dad you get scott to the hospital, like right away, there's, there's something going on with him. So we took him to the hospital and first they diagnosed him with uh, with uh, dehydration. So my oh. uncle my uncle used to be a physician's assistant. So he ended up doing a test when we brought my dad home and my dad failed. He, he My uncle said, this isn't dehydration. There's something neurologically wrong with him. So he ended up-
2: Oh, you're really lucky because it could have gone on forever. I mean, without, yep. they thought it was dementia, really. Yep. Honestly, we all thought, yep. And uh, it turned out to be not. It turned yep. out that he died of brain cancer. Yep. Yeah. And the thing
0: is, uh, they said that the tumor was the size of a man's fist. They said it because it's a fast-growing tumor. It's called glioblastoma. And they said that if he ended up uh, going, going, uh, not getting, not coming in to find out what it was, we would have found him dead on the couch in a sleep probably within a month. Not even.
2: Wow. Yep.
0: So he was very blessed to find out about that.
2: Yeah, he's left to find out about it. And also a real trooper. He's still yeah. here. He's still fighting. Yeah. You know, my mom, my mom, well, my mom was 92. And I think when you're 92 and you have a stroke mm-hmm. and she lost the left side of her, she mm-hmm. chose to go you right. know he was 92 he'd have a life your dad is 59 he's still got right. a lot of life to live exactly
0: exactly yeah. I'm so like happy that he, he still wants to fight I told my dad I said if you don't want to fight anymore I'm not going to force you to do it because that's your choice and I don't want you to be the one to uh you know live just because I don't want to lose my father and you, my mom you know my mom doesn't want to lose her exactly. husband
2: exactly it's and so you, hard to let go yeah. of your parents I know right. oh, yeah.
0: it's so and hard yeah. Said that I'm not gonna give up. I've lost
2: all my parents now. I have I had three parents and I lost them all. And it's
0: hard. And and my my dad said like I'm not gonna give up. I'm not gonna give up because I have I, I have a lot to fight for. I have my son and I have my wife.
2: Yeah. And
0: that's what I have to fight for. So Yeah, I'm very, very blessed about that. So the the last question I got for you then is, uh, do you have any projects, websites, or social media accounts that you'd like to promote? Okay,
2: for this I have to put my glasses on because I have so much (laughs) coming up and I've forgotten people. And so today I wanna make sure that I don't forget to say, uh, uh, oh, there he is. So what is coming out really shortly is Michael Rodriguez, The Last American Horror Show too? It's a horror anthology. And the segment I'm in with the fabulous Donna Hamblin, sorry, I've got a barking dog there. Is, uh, it's called The Dark Lullaby. And let's see, it is coming out. Uh, uh, so one which broadcast networks back uh, DVD, we just got the final correction. Uh, so they're submitting to d- distributors at the end of the month, but uh will have a chance to see lullaby on its own in the coming weeks on after hours cinema. Okay. Stars awesome. lullaby on after hours cinema, which will stream to Facebook Live on a television network with a horror host. He's just waiting to get a date. So okay. So <laughs> anyways, look out for that. That's not all that's not that's not a whole lot of 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 instruction. There's Phobias. I just start shooting a film called um Blood Covered Chocolate,
1: Uh,
2: that's, I'm starting to shoot that in March, and that is directed by Monty Light, and of course I play a, I play my favorite character, I play a hooker. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it's a really dark, uh, really cerebral horror film, it's very mental, it's, it's really uh, like, oh I don't know what to compare it to because it's so original. But it's a, it's a horror movie of the mind, is all that I can say, you know?
1: Right. Uh,
2: so there's that. Uh, uh, Jake Zelch, one of my favorites, is is still shooting Savage Vengeance. I'm, I'm gonna be shooting that at some point soon. Um, but again, that's an indie film. Uh, Jake Zelch has done uh, Mia Moss. Uh, he's done uh, The Krampus Carol. I was in all of his previous movies, <laughs> and so this is the new one. So I'm shooting that. Um, Jeff Snyder, uh, Evil Under the Skin is out on all the platforms. I think you can find it on Amazon and on Netflix. Yeah. Um, so that just came out recently, Evil Under the Skin. Um, and there's another one coming out soon. And of course, I don't remember the name of it. Um, let's see, what, what am I forgetting? So The Haunting of Lady Jane is, I'm st- shooting that in October in England and the um the uh, boy, you know, the uh, the uh, <clears throat> we're gathering the funds right. so you'll I'll be posting on my facebook <sighs> about the funding of it but that's a beautiful spooky gothic ghost story nice. and i love that it's it's got a really beautiful <sighs> feel to it um i just finished shooting um reflections of a broken mirror uh with uh m- filmmaker marco bazzi and that is it's horror in the sense that it's definitely going to give you those thrills but i would say it's a really intense psychological drama thriller awesome uh it's it's a spectacular movie really scary um um and oh gosh, oh geez, oh ha, 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 ha. Um uh I would have to look at my IMDP. I'm sorry if I missed anybody. Oh let's see, wait a minute. Let me make sure that I've got everything coming up. What am I shooting coming up? Um uh, I know that I'm missing somebody. I just can't think of who it is at the moment because I have a lot of stuff coming up, shooting and I'm I'm blanking. So Monty Light, Haunting of Lady Jane, phobias. Oh, phobias. Oh, okay.
1: Phobias.
2: (laughs) Phobias is coming up, but we're going to be talking about that later on today. So that's why I'm worried about that one. Um, And uh, I know there's more. What is really helpful for people? For me, it really helps me out if people go to my imdb page mm-hmm. imdb.com um oh there is another movie gosh Ugh. it's a lot wait, of them they haven't posted it on imdb yet and i have a hard time remembering the names of the movies mm-hmm. and stuff it's in post oh my gosh wait a minute do you mind if i just look
0: nope no not a problem Because i really i
2: really i really want to promote all the people that i should be promoting absolutely um <clears throat> um but if you go to my IMDb page, and my name is spelled H-E-L-E-N-E, and the last name is U as an under, D as in David, Y as in Yo-Yo, and take a peek at all of the things you can follow there, what, what what's going on. There's a lot of fun things happening. Um, um, and it helps, oh, ah, Bad Voices by filmmaker Lawrence Gibbs. They're just finishing up the post on it. And we're going to be posting it on IMDb soon, so that you can, um, so that you can uh, track it yourself. Great. But that is a really fun sort of low budget version of Men in Black. That's what That's I would awesome. compare it to. And That's I awesome. play dastardly scientist, and I love that. That's <laughs> really fun. Uh, so I'm getting typecast, dastardly scientist. A lot of those. Uh, yes. Uh, Okay. Good. All right. Uh, You're going to be one of the scientists. Absolutely. Go to imdb.com. Find my name. There's a whole list of wonderful things happening there. I've probably forgotten a few people. Uh, I apologize, but they're 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 listed there. Uh, David Dakota and I work all the time. I don't know if you you know who David Dakota is.
0: I don't. I don't
2: think I do. You should know who David Dakota is. Look him up because he is he's going to go down in history as one of the most prolific indie film entrepreneurs of all time like he's he's the second coming of Roger Corman
0: that's awesome
2: yeah so I do a lot of work with him he has a series uh called um uh uh the wrong and then fill in the dots like the wrong cheerleaders the wrong okay. cheerleader's friend the wrong fiance right. the wrong boyfriend the wrong you know step- right uh, and awesome. they're, and I've been in a lot of those, if you look at IMDb, and they're all really entertaining. Nice. They're really entertaining. Even though they're formulaic, it's kind of like you still, you know what's going to happen, <laughs> but you still want to get to the end of it. Like, how is it going to happen? Right. Like, so I work a lot with him, and I, I and I adore him, and he's given me a lot of chances. In fact, I think David Dakota single-handedly revived my my uh, my career uh when it was sort of uh, sleeping a little <laughs> and uh you know since then things have gone really a lot better but yeah I work with him a lot so that's yeah. awesome
0: and for, speaking of him being the second coming of Roger Corman Roger Corman's big shoes to fill and if you're giving him that title he must be I am killer. and
2: I and I don't give him that title lightly right he deserves it he's that's a awesome. master that's, uh, that's when I started working cool, with so Dave that's Dakota, awesome
1: I'm definitely yeah, going to
2: working with him, which was a m- maybe about eight years ago, mm-hmm. he could produce a whole movie in two days. Oh. Because he was so clear on where to put the camera, and he was so good at making sure the script was tight, that all of the elements of a movie were there in two days. And he had some little tricks, like he always used the same, uh, the same locations. Right. So he knew the lighting at noon in this room, and then we'd go run to that room because the lighting at 4 p.m. in that room. And, you know, he had a system, and it was just like, what? How does he do this? And then you look at the movie, you look at all the ions. They're not shot in two days, but they're still shot in a very short period of time. They look spectacular. That's like awesome. they're Really spectacular. So he's definitely somebody that will, awesome. I do believe, will go down in history. Uh, people will... Realize what, uh,
0: I don't know why I had never heard of him before, him but, I, you
2: should, you but I'm definitely
0: going to look him up. Yeah, ne- and I
2: mean, once you know him, you'll be like, Oh my gosh, yeah, I've probably seen that. I, I've seen,
0: I probably that. did. Oh,
2: think that Puppet Master was his. Oh, movie.
0: okay, i I seen Puppet Master, i seen Puppet Master.
2: Yeah, oh, are you looking him up on IMDb now? No,
0: I've seen Puppet Master oh, when you Puppet mentioned Puppet it. Master. I'm like, Oh, I yeah, seen I've that seen that movie, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. So, and I. I wonder if he uh, – I might be lying now, but he might have even started off with Roger Corman. I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, so
0: Puppet Master, just so I'm thinking of the right one, that's the one, like, with the, the one puppet that has, like, the drill in his hand and, like, you know what I mean? That I, one
2: I, – I don't know because I didn't see it.
0: Oh, okay.
2: That's the one he's
0: – but I'll look at his
2: name and then, and then everything else will <laughs> – awesome. We'll I, definitely I, have, I have to talk up David Dakota because uh, because I admire him so deeply. And, That's awesome. you know, And also, I have to say about David Dakota, he's an amazing, you know, uh, he's made his name doing genre films. But the fact is, is that he's an amazing director. He, again, is somebody that I would totally trust with a line reading. Um, mm-hmm. I did a movie with him called, um, oh, gosh, A Husband for Christmas. Nice. And uh, it was a comedy and a family movie, which he also does like MOW type of stuff. And uh, he gave me maybe three or four line readings, like line readings, like do it like this. And like, so funny. He made me look so good. So he's a master too.
0: And that, that's the thing, like when a lot of people don't understand that you could say the, the one, one line this way yeah. And the same exact line that way and yeah. that way will be so much it will have much more impact whether it's funny totally. if it's comedy it's- or or like fear if it's in a, a, a like a horror like that one line the tone of your voice the way you say it it can totally change the mood
2: totally absolutely your intention everything and and you know it's really interesting i think like dialogue is like music mm-hmm. and it's And it's impactful that way. If you know about the rhythms of dialogue, which some people do, uh, it'll affect you like music does. So if if you're a particularly talented director, they know what's going on,
0: you know? Awesome. Well, I thank you so much for joining me.
2: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Not a
0: problem. It's my honor and I'm so
2: grateful.
1: And, you know, lots of prayers for your dad.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. I truly appreciate that. And I will see you again tonight when I have the cast of phobias I'm on.
2: changing my wardrobe, by the way. So, act I'll wrong. be
0: changing my shirt.
2: <laughs> you are or you aren't? I
0: am. <laughs>
2: oh, you are. Okay. Well, I'm not changing. You don't
0: have to change. No, that's, okay. that's perfect. You look beautiful. So, I'm glad to have you on. Thank you
1: so much. All right. Take you care. have a
0: good rest of your day, and I'll see you in a little bit.
1: you soon. Okay, All right.
0: Bye.